Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Have you ever felt cheated out of a deal when buying tickets from StubHub only to see that there's a $15 fee at the end of your original purchase? Or have you ever been on Vivid Seats and not even get your tickets? That, that actually happened to me once. I ordered a ticket from Vivid Seats and I never got the ticket. And that's why I switched over to TickBick.com, where smart fans buy tickets online. No hidden fees. Search and buy now 100% authentic tickets. Best price guarantee, 24-7 customer service. Buy, bid on, and sell tickets with the confidence of their 110% guarantee. That's 110% guarantee. They show you the best deals with their algorithms and let you decide 0% buyer fees. Your ticket is $26. Your Your purchase is $26. No joke. The most transparent consumer-friendly ticket marketplace on the web, authentic valid tickets backed by our 100% money-back guarantee. You'll love your ticketing experience from purchase through the final whistle or out and no hidden fees. Like I said, if it's $26, hell, if it's $8, it is an $8 purchase. Save an average of 10 to 15% on every purchase guaranteed only at TickPick.com. Get your tickets now. Today is Thursday, October 10th, 2019, and we have a special show in order today. Believe Podcast Network's very own Al Valdez from the Cinema Palooza podcast joins me to talk about Joker, the critically acclaimed movie of the year. Let's get into it. Osho Podcast presented by Belly Up Sports. Be bold, stand out, and by Tick Pick. Remember to go check out the Belly Up Sports shop. We got a brand new selection of pink tees with half the benefits going to the Susan G. Komen Foundation. Make sure to check that out. Let's get into a Joker review right here, right now on the Osho Podcast. Welcome back to another edition of the O Show presented by Belly Up Sports, Be Bold, Stand Out, and by TickPick, the number one marketplace based in New York City that allows no hidden fees. We have a special guest with us today as it's Joker Review Time. I just saw it last night. We welcome on Al Valdez, host of the Cinema Palooza podcast with Believe Podcast Networks, which you can check out on Spotify. You can check it out on Apple Podcasts as well as Believe.com. So welcome in, Al. First time talking to you. How's it going? And again, Cinema Palooza podcast, all Cinema podcast. We talked about Joker. You saw it. I saw it just last night. I wanted to review it so bad. I'm like, this. I listen to your podcast. I'm like, this guy knows what he's talking about. There's not a lot of guys I work with that know cinema. Let's. Uh, so first of all, you're a music producer too, right? Mm-hmm. Very into music. What kind of music do you listen to? All kinds of music. I mean, I know as cliche as that sounds, but if I really had to dial it in, I would probably go from. I'm a big 1950s doo-wop fan, so anything from the 50s to probably now I'll listen to. I'll at least give it a shot. I'm up, we open in my house, we grew up like big uh, Scott Weiland guys, big grunge scene, oh, Stone yeah. Temple Pilots, Guns N' Roses, <laughs> Velvet Revolver, which I didn't even realize was a band until about three years ago. I'm like, this is awesome. I didn't yeah. know these guys collabed for like seven years. Great. I love grunge. I'm, I was in a grunge band. <laughs> oh, were you? Yeah. But what was the name uh, of, of your band? Uh, the Fatheads. <laughs> Fatheads. That's interesting. It was fun. How, how'd you guys come up with that name? Um, It's actually a Rugrats reference. Oh, okay. Was, yeah. 
there, there was an episode where the neighbors were uh, feuding, and I believe it's uh, Phil and Will's dad. They find out that uh, Stu called him a fathead, so he's like, they called me a fathead? And, I mean, we just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Musician, producer, you got entertainer, podcaster. So let's talk Joker. Uh, you talked a little bit about on Cinema Palooza about it not being only a great cinematic experience, mm-hmm. but also a work of art. Why did you? How did you feel this way? Well, I believe like right now where we're at in movies, um, it reminds me a lot of how it was. I mean, I didn't live back then, but in the 1920s, where movies weren't really you know vessels of entertainment, they were more of how many movies can we process. And make money really, really quick. You know, um, you know, back in the day, all those Laurel and Hardy shorts, all those classic shorts, they were pretty much on assembly lines. And I mean, they're just cranking them out, boom, boom, boom. They don't care if they're good or not. Right. And I feel uh, our landscape of cinema right now, that's kind of where we're at. If it's not a, you know, a Marvel, Disney, Star Wars blockbuster or a a DC blockbuster or something like that, even though this is a DC movie, but if it's not one of those movies, it just, you know, seems to go under the radar. So this movie, right off the bat, from when I first saw the screen test that Joaquin Phoenix did, and they're playing um, that song "Laughing" by the Guess Who, I immediately yep. knew. I immediately knew this was going to be different. This was not going to be a comic book movie. This was going to be more of a character study. And I was like, finally, we are actually getting a cinema in the guise of a comic book. <laughs> and this is the, that's probably the best part about it because you don't have to be a DC fan or just right. a superhero guy in general. Mm-hmm. to know this movie because it's the origin of the Joker. And obviously, you don't have to be a DC guy to know who Joker and Batman right. are. They're basically the most mainstream, alongside yeah. Superman and Spider-Man, one of the most mainstream superheroes and villains out there. So to see the origin of this movie, and the trailer came out for it like over, I want to say, early spring, maybe mm-hmm. even like January, February. So it's yep. been... It's been due, it's been hyped up for a long time, and it honestly did not disappoint. You talked about how you'd basically be damned if Joaquin Phoenix didn't win an Oscar for Best Actor for this. I would be very, very, very irritated if he does not win Best, because his performance in this movie, it was absolutely electrifying. From the second you see him on the screen, you are just drawn to him. And that's what, Phoenix has a tendency to do that. He's the type of actor that, even if he's only in a movie for five minutes, He's going to take every one of those minutes and make it like he's like a leading actor doing, you know, a million dollar role. And he's just, he's phenomenal. Now, I totally agree with you on that sense that he should win an Oscar for mm-hmm. this. I feel like I'm, you probably saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I don't think I it was uh, phenomenal. It wasn't Tarantino's yeah. masterpiece, really didn't live up to the hype. I think just because it was basically, I mean, it was basically a kiss-ass to Hollywood. I could see them getting a ton of awards that oh, yeah. night during the Oscars. And that's how it always goes. Yeah. Because Holly, you know, the, the Academy Awards, I mean, you know, the way they are now are the movies, like you said, that, that kiss the most rear end are usually going to walk away big. And I'm sure, as you know, Joker, it's not loved by the critics. Right. And people, um, it, it's it, it gets all kinds of. It has gotten a lot of flack in the media. A lot of people are just saying how this movie should be banned. It shouldn't exist. And I'm just shaking my head because I think that's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> now, why is that though? Um, a lot of people are trying to say that the movie could incite violence. Um, referencing back to, gosh, I think that was ten years ago in The Dark Knight Rises. There was that tragedy at the. Um, the Aurora Theater in Colorado. Right, you know, I remember one that. Of those, yeah. It's very, very unfortunate. And I, uh, a lot of these uh, articles I've been reading are trying to say that this movie is going to incite the same thing, and I don't think that's true at all because this movie is not, it's not glorifying. The Joker is really never glorified in this movie. No, you know, no. no. I mean, and yeah, like, there's definitely not a movie you should take your kids to see. No, absolutely You should be not. like, 18 to 20 years old if you I mean sure. 15 yeah. 16 if we're being honest yeah. I don't want to but <laughs> yeah it's it's not supposed to be a feel-good movie no not, not at one point in that movie where you're like oh that that was nice that gave me chills like maybe yeah. you did get chills but not not right. the good kind of chills exactly and you know the uh, Todd Phillips uh, they're, they're never saying like oh yeah the, the Joker's this great guy like you know you want it that's that's not what it's saying at all no. <laughs> I mean 
I, I feel a lot of these reviewers, they haven't seen the movie. They're just, you know, like everybody does occasionally. They just hear something, and without even seeing the movie, they're just going to pass judgment on it. And that's very unfortunate. All right, so let, let's talk about the beginning a little bit. So sure. uh, it starts out in Gotham City, kind of like how you said, just absolutely batshit crazy. I love it, yeah. From where it started. he He's obviously... They didn't really explain... Did they explain the title of his job? Like, obviously, they're all clowns. Right. All... He was like a, um, he's like a party clown. Yeah. So kind of like one of those, like, you know, hey, we need a birthday party clown or something like that. But it was like a budget birthday party clown service, which made it even better because the whole dressing room is very grungy, just very dirty. Just a bunch of freaks who, who, yeah, who yeah. work there. Right. It was like a bunch of people that, like, you know, didn't make it in, like, the mainstream entertainment businesses, you know, circuses, what have you. They kind of ended up there. And then he gets uh, basically mugged by three teenagers, 20-year-old yeah. guys. Yeah, some kids. And um, obviously has issues at work. His uh, buddy or his supposed boy, like he called him throughout the entire movie, or my boy. Right. Really, you kind of, I guess he talked behind his back a little bit, kind of ratted him out to his boss later on in the movie, gave, yeah. him, gave him the gun that oh, yeah. he basically used throughout the movie and throughout his legacy. So he, he, um, he uses, <laughs> basically to sum up that point, this guy, what was his name? Did they ever say his name? The big guy uh, who gave him the gun? You know what? They did, but I, it escaped. It's, it's not important. Yeah. I mean, he has an important scene later on in the movie, yeah, but we'll sure. get to that. Uh, basically gives him the gun, and the rest was history with that. I mean, he went to the children's hospital. Uh, he, so Joker's name in this movie, before we go any further, Arthur Fleck, just so everybody's caught up to date. And if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the movie, I'd really consider stop listening, unless you enjoy spoilers. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm probably one of very few people who actually enjoy spoilers before a movie. Like, even, like, if I don't have the patience to get through, like, another month of, like, a Netflix series, I'm just like, all right, Google, give me the yeah. plot. That's how I am sometimes, too. <laughs> no, but basically throughout the movie, Arthur Fleck, obviously he's got mental issues. Right. Uh, so he, his laugh, the incomparable Joker laugh, is not so more a laugh because he's happy or joking. Like, it's, it's uh, displayed throughout the entire movie that he's a miserable human being. Sure. Basically wishes he was dead. Yeah. And his mother, who turns out to be crazy, too, she always seemed a little off. Like, you didn't really have to be told that she was crazy to know, like, okay, like, everyone in this family is a little bit crazy. And, of course, the great uh, buildup or the great setting plot to uh, Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne, a little kid in this movie, with his dad who's running for mayor, who's supposedly the, uh, un the, the father of Arthur Fleck. Right. Which I honestly believe going into like I'm not a DC guy, so like this yeah. this all was over my head. Mm -hmm. Like looking back at it a second time, I'm like they did include Batman in this movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they did. no idea. But uh, yeah, basically he's a miserable human being. He goes to that therapist who again probably doesn't give a crap about him either. No. Which yeah. she was just basically there for the paycheck. He was yep. taking probably seven, eight, nine, ten medications, mm -hmm. which was making him. I guess sane in a way. I guess that's the way they put it because when he went off his medication, all hell broke loose. Right. But like when he was on it, it was like, okay, he's still crazy, but I guess he's maintaining his lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And then there was that scene with him on the bus uh, making clown faces with the little kid. The mom yelled at him. Basically, he just feels like he's worthless and nobody gives a shit about him throughout the entire right. movie. And he mentioned that scene with the therapist too. And it was such a great scene because I kind of looked at it as almost an allegory to directors and creative writers against you know the studios that are just in it for the paycheck oh absolutely <laughs> that's that's kind of how i viewed that i was like you know arthur fleck is he's in the role of you know the todd phillips or the director that's trying to pitch art and the person's like is it gonna make money no i don't care and just get out of here and i was like wow i don't know if that's how it was but that's just how i took it that was great <laughs> i mean you're on to something there for sure like that could have been nothing but at the same time sure yeah and another big thing in this movie, like, Joaquin Phoenix played such a great role in this movie, and he was so hyped up going into it, like, oh, yeah. one of, like arguably his best performance ever, mm. that it totally went over my head that Robert De Niro was even in the movie. Like, he <laughs> played such a big role, such yeah. a, like, an A-list actor that they didn't even oh, yeah. really promote that much, played such yeah. a big role, 
as uh, Murray Franklin, who's basically like a Johnny Carson. Like, this takes place in the late 70s, early 80s in a wicked Gotham City. And Gotham City, I know they say there's a real one out there, like 16 to 1,800 people, like really, really small town. This is basically New York City, right? It's, yep. it's New York City, and uh, yeah. Murray Franklin, who's Robert De Niro, plays a late-night talk show host, whether it's like Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, Johnny Carson, obviously, back in the day, late 70s, early 80s, if you're going that realm, was basically um, his hero, Joker's hero, because he always wanted to be a comedian. That was his dream, lifelong dream, to be a comedian. Everybody wrote him off in that sense. Even his mother was like, how are you going to do that? Don't you have to be funny to be a comedian? It's just like, oh boy, this is going to turn sour pretty quick. Yep. Yeah. No, there was so. And two, when you're first introduced in Gotham, that was one of the things that like I love from just the initial teaser trailers. Or it just it had the feel. It actually looked like early '80s New York. If you see you know pictures or archival footage, like it was very dirty. Like they, they you know, the, there was trash all over the place. And I loved how they got that feel because that was. Like when when a movie's a period piece, if if they don't take the time for these details, it yeah. takes me out of the immersion really quick. And this one from the get go, it just it brought me in. Absolutely. I mean, you could say the same thing about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like I personally didn't like the movie, but Tarantino did a great job with the setting of yeah. 19, 1960s Hollywood. Like everything in detail. Like even if it just goes over your head, and for most right. people, it, those little details do go over your head. Yeah. And it's amazing what they pull together, bringing back these old restaurants and old scenes. Obviously, the late 70s in New York City was not the place to be right. if you yeah. want to be no. safe. Mm-hmm. So yeah. did, Phillips did a great job with that. Oh, yeah. And uh, halfway through this movie, you slowly got to see the evolution of Arthur Fleck turning into the Joker, kind of got more crazy and crazy as time went along. People started to pick on him. The the girl and the woman that live right down the hall from him, which you thought throughout the movie he was kind of friendly with. Right. So basically, in a way, if you haven't seen the movie, he befriends this this lady with her daughter. They're in the elevator together, a really crappy building. Yeah. And basically she signals because her daughter's just yapping her ear, ear off, basically. End of the day, she probably mm-hmm. wants to go to bed. Um, and she just signals to Arthur just like the gun cock to the head motion, yeah. just just like, oh, kill me, put me out of my misery. Yeah. And he took that as, oh, interesting. Yeah. And uh, throughout the movie, whether he's at his stand-up comedian, like he actually did a stand-up bit, which turned out to not be funny at all. Right. Uh, she, she supposedly was there uh, when his mother had the stroke in the hospital. She was apparently by her side, so they somewhat uh, formed a relationship, him and this girl, until you find out towards the end that Arthur is seriously, like, he has a mental issue because of what what transpired when he was a little kid. And it turns out that that chick was never there throughout the entire movie. And he actually walks into her uh, apartment, and she's startled. She's like, "Uh, is your name Arthur? Like, this is the wrong apartment. Like, you can't be here right now. And that's when it hit everybody, like, Oh crap! That was a huge part of the movie, and it, yeah. w- it didn't even happen. No, it was awesome, and I loved how they uh, they utilized that actress because every scene that she was in, where you know Arthur was imagining her as a supportive character, um, something was off about her performance in that regard. Because you know, in the elevator, really brief scene, but you can kind of get an idea, you know, how her personality was. But then when the way Arthur envisions her. It's like a complete 180. There's just something there that's like a dream state. It's not quite real. And I was like, oh, so they're going to they're gonna utilize this. Something's going to oh, yeah. be up. When that yeah, came full I, circle, I was like, oh, crap. Here's the turning point. Here's when yeah. he, like, slab on that face paint. Here we go. Time I to kick it. back and watch what happens. Or were yeah. there any mo- other moments like that in the movie that he was flashing back on? Be like, oh, that didn't happen. Because um, I remember I wanna... when, when he was watching um, the Murray Franklin show when his clips got brought up from his uh, comedy mm-hmm. thing. I remember yep. when he, the first time they showed his comedy uh, sketch when he was up there, he was just like, yeah, my mom told me that you're going to get a normal job. He's like, no, mom, I'm going to be a comedian. Everybody laughed at me when I said I was going to be a comedian. Nobody's yep. laughing now. And then, like, in his head, I guess everybody was applauding. But when yep. they look back at it, he's like, nobody's laughing now. And Murray Franklin was just like, yeah, you can say that again, bud. Yeah, you got that, pal. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's probably the worst thing you could say. Uh, during a, a, a comedy skit, like, as a stand-up comedian. Like, nobody's laughing. Like, everybody said I wasn't going to be a comedian. 
And uh, everybody was laughing at me. Nobody's laughing now. Like, yeah, oh, you're right. That's such a great scene, too. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm a big body language guy. And um, just, I mean, the whole movie, Phoenix's body language is fantastic. But that scene's so good, like, kind of how he goes up there. He's kind of slumped in his stance. Like, he's not sure of it. And then as soon as he takes out his book, you know, of jokes that he had written down and various other things, that's when, like, you already know this is going to bomb. This set's, you know, not going to be very good. But to see that kind of reprise of just him super stoked, smiling, hearing everybody clap, I, I thought that was so well put together. Obviously, throughout the movie, you mentioned the book. He has a lot of jokes, a lot of bad jokes. Yeah. I think that was the whole premise of the movie. He was not a good comedian. Right. And a lot of other things kind of mixed in between, I think. Yeah. The one time the therapist mentioned kind of like, I hope my death is more interesting than my life or more, like, what was the exact quote there? It was pretty much what you just said. Yeah, yeah like, it it, I hope my death is more exciting than my life. Than or my something life like was, that. or, yeah, yeah, something like that. And yeah, that was good. And also, too, like, you kind of noticed that he, it looked like he had some, like, explicit pictures of some women in there as well when they were flipping through the pages in the book. Well, you like, saw it when he was on the train. He took, When he thought that... Uh, Thomas Wayne was his father, mm-hmm. he ripped the article picture out and put it in right. his book. So right. obviously he was keeping tabs on people that either he knew and yeah. was stalking because there was that other train scene when he was supposedly stalking the girl. I don't right. know, was that real? Because I know the scene after when she came over and was like, uh, were you stalking me today? Like, oh, that was cute. That didn't happen. But was he I... stalking her for real? I don't know if that scene was real because her character was kind of like how she was in the elevator. So like I could, you know, like her sense of humor, that kind of morbid yeah. laugh. So that might have been real. And then when he said, uh, she, what did she say? Like, I'm, I'm going to be doing a set. And she's like, yeah, I could I could maybe do that. And yeah. she walks away. But I'm just thinking that happened. And he, he never, you know, maybe he was too shy to follow up with that. I don't know. He kind of closed the door, like, nonchalantly, yeah, was, like, dancing exactly. around. Like, I feel like every time he got excited, he just started dancing like a yeah. like an 1850 poet. <laughs> I don't really know how to describe that dancing throughout yeah. the movie. That was also a big part. Like, every time he went into the bathroom, just started dancing. Oh, yeah. Which he yeah. saw in the trailer when he was dressed mm-hmm. up as the Joker with those wicked dance moves. Yeah, it was awesome. But I mean, that, that just added to it. Obviously, like throughout the movie, we've touched on it a few times already. His mental illness—he right. he laughs when apparently when he gets nervous or when he when he's sad. Yeah, I took that almost as a form of like something like Tourette's, where it's just something yeah. that you can't you can't control. It's not your fault, and his just happened to be you know, that was his tick was the laughing. And he gave the car, he had a card with him because he yeah. when he starts he doesn't stop. It's right. just an ongoing laughter. And when he gave, uh, when he was imitating the uh, clown with the little kid on the bus, the mother yelled at him and he started laughing hysterically. He's like, hold on, let me give you this card. And she's like, yeah. oh, okay. Like, you're a freak, but okay, it's understandable. Yeah. And then uh, the turning, the, this was the climax probably of the entire movie, which started the whole cult following of the clown masks in Gotham. And when the city just turned from like sideways, it was never up. It, it was like sideways to upside down. Right. Uh, when they're when they're on the train, it's him coming back after I think he got fired from yeah. uh, from his clown job because he was doing a gig at a children's hospital and the gun that his buddy gave him uh, f- fell out from his pocket, fell out from his jeans onto the floor, mm-hmm. and he was just like, "Shit, yeah, yeah, it's a prop." Nope. Yep. You're fired, pal. Hit the bricks, Audi 500, <laughs> and uh, he's on the train ride home, the subway. And there are these three probably well-educated... Like, they were described as three well-educated young businessmen. Yeah, they were like suits. Harvard, yeah. Like but they were, they were jerks, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I oh, guess yeah. the city of Gotham is described as you're either an outcast or you're an absolute jerk. Right. And these three were picking on this young lady, basically a lot of uh, sexual harassment. Yeah. And uh, he was on the other side of the, of the subway, just ha- started laughing hysterically. And they were like... Huh? I'm like, what's so funny? And they walked yeah. over, and he gave, tried to give them the card, and they just slapped it out of his hand and just started beating the crap out of him. Yeah, that scene itself, that was one of the hardest scenes in the movie for me because 
when you see him holding back the tears, like he's genuinely afraid. He's he's scared. He's crying. But like the way that Phoenix was still able to convey that laughing, you know, that was really hard to watch because just seeing this guy, you know, with this severe mental illness, just I mean, crying, afraid for his life, and just seeing these guys ruthlessly beat the daylights out of him. That was that was powerful. That was tough. And that was probably one of the biggest points in the trailer too, leading up over the past few yeah. months was him getting beat up by these guys because he's yeah. just laughing hysterically. And you find out in the movie it's because of a mental illness. He, he's just bullied his entire life. I wasn't even thinking about the gun at that point. Right. Like I was, I didn't even like think about, oh, he's got a gun. He's about to shoot these fools up right now. I'm yeah. just like, all right, he, they're going to beat the crap out of him. He's just going to cry himself into oblivion back home, and then it's just sure. going to escalate more. But no, he uh, he annihilates these guys with his gun. Oh yeah, and oh my gosh, the the way that uh, Todd Phillips uses the lighting on that shot too, when they go through the tunnel and it starts to flash, and like the guy is normal, and then in two seconds later you see the bullet hole in his head. I'm like, oh man, that is great editing and use of lighting. <laughs> uh, it was gruesome, but phenomenal yeah. filmmaking yeah. right there. Takes down two of them in the train, and then the third one's trying to escape. He's like, somebody get me off this train. There's a psychopath murderer on this on this train. Uh, and then that's when you kind of see, like, the first evolution of Joker chasing yeah. him down when they get off the train. Just, like, psychopath running down the, uh, down the aisle, just pointing his gun at him the entire time. He's trying to crawl, crawl away and yeah. ends up murdering him dead on the, on the steps, trying to walk yeah. up the steps on the train station. I mean, that was basically, like, an execution right there, too. And, like, what always gets me is, like, after he, um, he brutally shoots that guy, he pretty much shows no remorse. Like, he doesn't know how to register what he did. No, not he's, at all. He, yeah, he's no. just very indifferent about it. Just like, that's, you know? I mean, in that sense, like, if you were to shoot people down that were beating the crap out of you, you'd right. run, too. Like, run oh, just yeah. insanely fast. You don't want to yeah. t- stop and talk to anybody. You just want to race home. Right, yeah, yeah. But, like, I think they reference it a couple of other times, and he's just very, like, you just see no, there's nothing. <laughs> like, yeah, and throughout a couple times in that movie, you mentioned it on your show. Um, yep. Like you just said, like there are times like right as he's doing it, he's like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" And then he's just like, "So uh, you see that talk show? I'm yep. gonna be on it tonight." Like, oh, yep. okay. He he doesn't feel anything. That was one of the Oscar moments for me. I was like, "Wow." <laughs> so like he uh, that's that's the climax. I think when he uh, kills those three people. In the subway, you mentioned the lighting, great, as the lights are flickering. I feel like it did that regardless every time they were in the train. It was just a shitty Gotham City. Just not a great place to live. So at that point, that's when this, uh, they called it a protest, right? It was a protest. Everybody started wearing clown masks because they were like, all right, this guy dressed up as a clown just shot three jerks in Gotham Mm -hmm. City. And all the the outcasts who dressed up as clowns were like, this is awesome. This is our savior. Yeah. Like, three jerks down, only about a billion left to go. Yep. And, and you saw another scene in there with uh, the girl from across the hall or down the hall that probably didn't happen. She was just like, oh, man, that was great that that guy did it. I'm glad that it happened. Only a billion more to go. Yep. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, that's when it all starts. Uh, halfway through this is when I think he discovers the letter. Because throughout the movie, his mother is referencing the fact that, oh, Thomas Paine, uh, he's running for mayor. Great man. Thomas Wayne. Thomas, I keep calling him Paine. I knew a Thomas Paine in school. (laughs) Thomas Wayne, um, she's like, oh, I knew, I worked for him back in the day. He's a great man. Great man. He's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, Mom. He's like, all right, you're a little delusional. I'll just just try and keep you happy at this point. Uh, Finally gets the letter that she sent to him. Because did did he send it back, or did she never send it? I think that was almost up to interpretation. Yeah, maybe like it never got to him, whatever. But he he opens it, and he's like, all right, let's see what this crazy uh, witch wrote. And uh, basically sums up the fact that uh, I think the one line that he read was, your son and I desperately need your help. He's a little sad, but... Also a little confused. He could really use your help right now. And he's like, he's my dad, and he just loses his mind. Because basically yeah. his entire life, he didn't have a father. Right. Little did he know that he was right in Gotham City the entire time. Or at least yeah. so he thought he did. When he finally chases him down, he first tries to chase him down. This is where the Batman scene comes in. Uh, basically sees his son, Bruce Wayne, who is Batman. But we don't know that yet in this movie. 
he, he's a, just a young boy, and uh, he uses his clown effect again. Makes funny faces. Has a nose. Has the uh, what is it like a black uh, black stick? Black. Yeah, like a trick classic magician's magic wand. Yeah, wand. That, yeah. that that's the word I was w- looking for. A magic <laughs> wand. I'm like magic stick. He had a black stick. His black magic wand, and uh, I guess it was the butler who came by. Yeah, it was and, and Alfred it was, Pennyworth. Yeah, Pennyworth, and he's just like, yeah, get out of here! Like, why are you touching? Why are you touching uh, uh, Wayne's kid like that? Mm-hmm. And he, Bruce Wayne, in this movie, is probably depicted as like a seven or eight year old, like young kid. Mm-hmm. He's like, why are you touching him? Like he he was touching him, making him smile. He's like, oh, that's better, like the vintage Joker uh, look. Yeah. And he's like, sorry, I just want I want to talk to I want to talk to Thomas Wayne, and he's like, uh, he's not available right now. I'm like. Uh, I know everything. I'm, uh, what was her name? Penny? Yeah. Penny Fleck. I'm P- Penny Fleck's son. She's like, oh, like, he, I know everything. And he's like, you don't know a damn thing, dude. Yeah. And basically, he's just like, let me in. He grabbed him by his neck up against the gates. Yeah. And he's and, and even even Bruce, uh, Bruce Wayne in that scene is like, what the hell just happened? As a little kid, and uh, he's just like, nothing. Let's go. Let's go back yep. to the house. Like, nothing happened. But that was a big big scene in that movie that went over my head the first time it took me a while to think oh that was a batman correlation yeah yeah i also love too in that scene i don't know if it was a nod to it since they're both warner brothers but how arthur has the red balloon when he's uh when he's walking past the gate when bruce sees him i'm like is that it is that it yeah that was interesting (laughs) i'm like same studio but yeah that was a that was a really impactful scene too that really like it was one of those ways where they, you know, they, they're laying the groundwork for something later, but they, they did it really well. Like, they didn't beat you over the head with it. Like, hey, that's young Batman. They just, it was very, very, it blended with the movie nicely. It was a great, great scene. Yeah, and if you're, again, not a DC fan like mm. myself, like, I, I saw Dark Knight, obviously, but that's about it. Yeah. Like, that went totally over my head. Like, I, again, it was a nice, simple, quick scene. It, they didn't go into too much detail about it. There was no music playing in the background when they showed right. his face. It was just like, oh, like, if you're not paying attention, you're going to miss that scene. Yeah. And I totally missed that scene. That was a huge <laughs> scene in that movie. Yeah. No, it was, it was awesome. Again, tries to meet up with his supposed dad, Thomas Wayne. It was at a, they were, it was at the theater. Yeah, he yeah, snuck in. A... He snuck in. He was like a bellman, basically a bellman yep. costume. Sneaks in, realizes that Thomas uh, Wayne's in his suite. He's going to the bathroom, so he follows him into the bathroom, takes off his disguise, and Thomas Wayne's just like, "Can I help you there, pal? You want an autograph?" And he's just like, "No, I'm I'm Penny uh, Fletch's or Fleck's daughter and or son, uh, Penny Fleck's son." And he's like, oh, Jesus, you're the guy who showed up in my house the other day. Yeah, I'm not your father, kid. Your mom's a wacko. Yeah. And he's like, no, she's not. Like, you can't, like, can't you tell? Look at us. We're father and son. Yeah. Like, he's not even close. Like, no, no gene match whatsoever. And uh, he's like, no, uh, you're adopted. He's like, what? He's like, oh, she didn't tell you? You're, you're adopted. Your mother had a mental illness. She adopted you, and basically what they were getting at, she beat the hell out of him, or at least just didn't take care of him. And he's like, what? No, not, not at all. And he actually went into, um, I don't know what the name of it was, to find the papers. Like, what's the was, name of a... Uh, that was Arkham City Hospital. Arkham City Hospital, insane mental hospital. You see him right. in the elevator with that guy just screaming his head off while he lays in the bed. It was like a stray jacket. Like, he's strapped to the bed, screaming his head off, and he's just in there like, oh, my God. Like, I'm crazy. I'm not this crazy. Yeah. And uh, setup was so good. Oh, ins- insanely. Before I forget, I got to throw it in since you mentioned the cinema scene. Um, one of my favorite uh examples of uh, symbolism in the entire movie was the movie that was playing uh, that he was watching was a classic Charlie Chaplin short and Charlie Chaplin is known for playing you know the character the vagabond the tramp and gosh the way they fit that in with Arthur because I mean essentially you know they're, they're very similar oh absolutely they're, 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 they both lived very in real life tragic lives for Charlie Chaplin and he used comedy you know to overcome that and to laugh at that and just the fact that they even tied that in, I was like, wow. Like, there, there is some cinema lovers that made this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, you, you had to be a big film major, huge film people. Like, like you mentioned, a lot of those movies out there are kind of like cookie-cutter movies. Like, there's yeah. not a lot of backstory. There's not a lot of moments where you're like, oh, I saw what they did there. Yeah. Like, there's yeah, not that's... real 
creative geniuses behind this, but exactly. they did a great job with this one. Oh, 100%. And uh, moving forward with this, though, he walks up to the guys, basically just like, yeah, I'm looking for a file on Penny Fleck. And he's like, yeah, that was 30 years ago, so I had to go in the basement. It took me like an hour. Sorry about that. And uh, he's going through the files, and he was asking him, he's like, so how do people end up in here? He's like, well, they're, uh, they're all either like killers, like they did some crime, or they're just crazy, whacked out of their minds. He's just like, I mean, are they, though? Like, I've done some pretty bad shit. And, he, yeah. and at, the, at that point, the guy's just like, um, uh, yeah. here are the files. Here's your yeah. file. Uh, Penny Fleck. And uh, to Arthur's shock, um, what Thomas Wayne told him was true. His mother had mental illness while working for him. So Thomas Wayne was not his father, and he was adopted. And by the sounds of it, I didn't really... I, I feel like you could catch me up to date on this. Did she beat him as a child? Is that what they were getting at? I don't know on that one. I don't know if she really, if there really was an abusive boyfriend. Or again, that, that's the thing where it's interpretation. Like she could have. Like so, so he was born normal, right? And then he yeah, was he adopted was. into a family that it was a terrible environment. She was crazy. Like she yeah. was hallucinating. And like you mentioned, there could have been a boyfriend that was very abusive. Maybe she awesome. just, maybe yeah. she was just so crazy that she just didn't take care of him as a yeah. child, and he just got into bad stuff. Like toaster goes off, puts his head in the toaster. Like you mentioned that he was strapped to something, maybe like a yeah, he was strapped to a radiator. They a radiator. They found, they found yeah. him. Um, he was, uh, I guess, they came home and he was uh, like chained to like a radiator in the house with like he was malnourished. He was he, he suffered many of of, of traumas. So I'm I'm not sure if that was you know done by his mother or I mean regardless if it was done by her or not yeah. she's the guardian Terrible. she should take care of him oh yeah so when he yeah. sees this he's like holy crap like I was born normal I'm I'm like this because I like I'm miserable my entire life because of a giant lie that nobody told me about yeah. and his to his mother's defense though I guess she thought it was the truth that Thomas Wayne was her father just because she's crazy. And now that he realizes that, he just starts laughing hysterically. But it wasn't like the hysterical laugh, like, oh, I'm in pain, read my card laugh. It was like, wow, like, this is, uh, this is, uh, this is closure. Like, yeah. now I have an excuse to act like how I've always wanted to act it, basically. Right, yeah. my, my life's he, a comedy. That was the moment. Yeah, like, it, my yeah. life, I, I always thought my life was a tragedy, but really, it's a comedy. And that's yeah. when he goes back to the hospital where his mom's recovering from a stroke and tells her that, basically takes the pillow from under her head and uh, chokes her out with the pillow and kills yeah. her oh, yeah. with a giant smile on his face. Yeah. And right. uh, that, then he goes back to the house and right there waiting for him are his former co-workers. Uh, again, the big guy who always referred to him as his boy, though he talked behind his back and kind of screwed him out of his job. Right. And then the midget, who was probably the, just the one comedy character throughout this entire movie. He just laughed yeah. at him every time he was in the movie. And uh, basically, they're like, yeah, sorry your mom died. We're here for you. Like, I'm your boy, right? Like, I always say that. I'm your boy. He's just like, yeah, you're my boy. And he, he had a, was it like half a pair of scissors? Like, he broke a piece of scissors in half, and he had, like, the one end of the sharp end of the scissors. It looked like a straight razor to me. Like Straight razor? Okay. Like, the way, but, I mean, gosh, that's another just body language. And the way he's standing there to where, like, you can kind of see, like, his silhouette, and you just see him, like, holding it very loosely in his hand. And then the camera goes away. Like, I just thought, oh, man, that was a great build-up. I mean, it didn't take a genius to know what was going to happen. No, next no, no, no. But it was just like it, it added to it a lot. And then he obviously just sticks the razor right into the neck of yeah. uh, the big fat coworker that he had. Still don't know his name. Yeah. Sticks it in him. Then he starts banging his head up against the wall after yeah. sticking the knife in his head too. He bleeds out. He's dead. The midget's just there behind the chair, like, using it basically as an entire wall to cover him. He's like, why would you do that? Like, what the hell was that? Yeah. And basically, Arthur, again, this was the scene we were talking about earlier, just pure art. Like, this is why Joaquin Phoenix should win an Oscar for this, because he's, oh, yeah. he's laying there in the face paint. He was putting on the face paint before because he got invited to go on the Murray Franklin Tonight Show because of the video that he saw that made fun of him. They made fun of his uh, his comedy sketch because nobody laughed. Yeah, and he's just laying there in the paint. He got now his blood all over his face, so the look's kind of complete. Yeah, and he's just laying there. They're both breathing heavily, both him and the midget from across the room. And he's like, "Oh my god, what did I just do?" He's thinking that, and then all of a sudden, he's just like, "You ever see the Murray Franklin show?" 
I'm going to be yeah, on it tonight. That was, oh man, just when you look at like the struggle that was just going on and like his internal struggle and it's almost like he just blocks out like what he just did. And yeah. Have you seen them early? And then he, then he starts speaking, uh, cause his former coworker was English. So he's like, I'm not be on the telly. And he starts going off into like, I was like, Oh, this is, this is good. Like, what a <laughs> psychopath. Like the midget sitting there like, Oh my God. Oh my God. And he's just like, yeah, you could go. And at that point, I'm like, all right, he's, like, going to let him, like, pass by. Then he's going to knife him. Like, I didn't think he'd let him live at any point during this scenario. And he's just like, uh, like, he starts running away. He's like, are you going to let me go? He's like, yeah, you can go. He's just laying there. Like, obviously, like, it would have to take a lot for him to get up and then grab him. So the midget starts running out of there, but the door's locked. Like, you'd see the sling on the door's locked, and he's obviously a midget, so he can't reach it. And he's trying to reach it. At that point, everybody in the movie theater, when I was watching last night, just started bawling laughing. Uh, he's trying to reach in. He's just like, uh, Arthur, he's like, yeah, buddy. It's like, can you get the lock? <laughs> yeah. And at that point, it's just like, oh, he's done for. He's done. Yeah. Even he, I think, like the actor who portrayed him is like, all right, he's making us believe like this is the end for this guy. Right. And uh, he's just like, yeah, sure, buddy. Unlocks it, opens up the door. At this point, I'm like, all right, he's going to let him walk through the door. Then he's going to like mash his head in by closing the yeah. door. But really, he was just like, yeah, you were the one guy that was nice to me. And let yeah. him go. And he just started running over, uh, away, which is probably the most humorous part of the entire movie. And the way that he um, that he kisses them on the top of the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was genuinely affectionate. Like, he's like, dude, like, thank you. Like, you know, you made my life at least, you know, somewhat tolerable. Uh, that was, like, the one thing I feel like about the Joker that not too many people, like, if you don't know, like, the background of the character. Like, he's, yeah. he's not, like, I mean, obviously he's a villain. Like, he's not yeah. a good dude. But at the same time, like... He he he's humorous. He uh, he's he has a mental illness. Like he's sure. not he's not like deep down an evil person. Like there were events leading up to it. Good. You know exactly. And at the same time, like he's again like I'm trying to think of like he's not like Venom. He's not like any of these like superhero antagonist villains yeah. that we've yeah. seen in the past. Like he's more of like oh like yeah like if you didn't wrong him like yeah you're good to go like I don't have a problem with you. Yeah. That, that's the great thing with the Joker, because, I mean, there, there's been so many, you know, portrayals of that character. Each one does a little bit different, and Phoenix's was more of the... He, he was the most uh, psychologically disturbed uh, iteration of the Joker that I've seen. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, and just, like, you know, these moments really prove that, whereas, you know, Jack Nicholson was more of, like, the mafioso. Like, he, he probably would have shot, you know, both guys, but um, just this portrayal was very, you know, he was, he was very human. And obviously this leads, so you never see the midget again, which is shocking. I thought you'd see him at the end, like getting killed by all the clowns or whatever. But this leads to, uh, obviously, Arthur completes the makeup, puts on his red suit. He's the Joker at this point. Like, it's full-blown transformation. Goes on the Murray Franklin show. Again, Murray Franklin is Robert De Niro, which, again, I had no idea going into the movie. Because he just came out of The Irishman. Huge uh, box office draw, and he's in this movie, too. And the guy's like 75 years old. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I know. It's amazing. And now he's got a movie coming out with DiCaprio next year, I think. Yep. So, like, he's, yeah. he's, uh, he's setting up his grandkids pretty well right about now. He's a busy man. <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous. But uh, he, he goes on the show, and this is the turning point, because out in Gotham City everybody's, like, rioting. Cars are on fire. People are smashing windshields with sledgehammers. The whole nine. So he's on this show with all the normal people in the crowd. I say normal as in, like, the well-educated people who basically look at all the other outcasts as losers. And he goes on the Murray Franklin show, meets him before in his dressing room backstage. He's just like, oh, Murray, I'm a big fan. And his agent, of course, is like, that's Mr. Franklin to you. Just like, ah, oh, Jesus, shut up. Shut up, Frank. And uh, Murray, Murray's just like, yeah, um, are you part of the protest? Like, what the hell is this? Because they weren't going to let him go on because that was like the number one thing in the city because of the yeah. clown killing that turned out to be Arthur. And Arthur's just like, no, no protest. I just uh, I want to make people laugh and smile. He's like, all right, we'll go with it. And uh, at the very end, when he closed the door, he's like, hey, Murray, one more thing. Can you do me a favor? Can you introduce me as Joker? And that's when I was like, oh, here we go. Yep. He's like, yeah, Joker, why not? Like, he's like, that's what you called me when you uh, brought up my video. He's like, did I? I don't remember that. And he's like talking over to his agent. He's like, that happened? I don't remember. He's like, but yeah, okay. You got it, kid. Yep. Showtime. 
So they go on. He's like, all right, this guy, before we bring him out, uh, we want to know it's horrible what's going on with all these protests with the clowns and the murders. But here he is. Uh, welcome, Joker. And he comes out. He's doing his dance. Like, that was, like, the big entrance of the movie. Yeah. Like, that was the full-on thing. And this was the interesting part to me because if you don't know the Dark Knight and Heath Ledger, this, this next part was actually a big tribute to Heath Ledger when um, Joaquin Phoenix as Joker walks up to the stage, shakes De Niro's hand, shakes uh, Murray Franklin's hand, and then makes out with his, uh, his like, co-host, so to speak, yeah. the woman. Right. And when uh, Dark Knight came out, Heath Ledger was uh, on the set. It was either the premiere or some premiere promoting the movie, uh, getting interviewed, and some chick came up and was, oh, I'm a big fan, just makes out with her yeah. on the spot. And everybody was like, holy shit. Like, that, that was one of the... Um, tributes made from Joaquin Phoenix to Heath Ledger, because they were actually really good friends in real life. Oh, yeah. yeah, they were. And uh, I feel like, I don't, this could be wrong, but when he was in the dressing room, the the painting behind him kind of looked like Heath Ledger's Joker. Ooh, I didn't, I didn't pick up on that. I, don't, I, I mean, if I see it again, I could be yeah, completely yeah. wrong, but I remember seeing it in the moment, like, that, that looks familiar. Like, that's interesting that they put that back there. Yeah, that'd be all to look at. I'll have to look at that. Because that was the one thing I was looking for in this movie, because I knew they were good friends coming in. Like, maybe yeah. he's going to make some tributes, because this is the first big Joker appearance since The Dark Knight. Yeah. So yeah, We're not going to count Suicide Squad. <laughs> no. No, I was looking at the uh, different guys who played him. You mentioned Nicholson, and obviously, like, back in the 60s during the origins of the Batman series and the comic books. But, yeah. no, Suicide Squad, no. Yeah. Does I mean, not count. See. No. And Didn't even look like him. No, the Jared Leto, and you know what? The hard thing too is, I mean, to his credit, the script, the script and directing for Suicide Squad was god awful. I know Jared Leto is a very good actor, so I just think what he had to work with, you know, and the way to—not to get too off topic—but the way that they marketed Suicide Squad was just—it was comedic. It's like, look how wacky Jared Leto is now. He sent some, you know, bugs to his coworkers. I'm like, and there's a second one coming out, Al. We're not done with Suicide Squad. Oh, so. I know. So, I know. At least James Gunn's doing it, though. Yeah, John Cena's in it. Margot Robbie, <laughs> never a bad thing to look at. <laughs> so so he's on the show. So I'm back to the uh, Murray Franklin Tonight yeah. Show. He's on the show now. Basically, the whole thing, he's like, all right, you're going to come on. We're going to go back and forth. We're going to talk a little bit about the protest and about how you're not doing it because you're dressed up as a clown. And uh, he's like, all right. And he's like... And then he's going to let him do his thing, like his stand-up routine, which isn't right. funny, but people are going to be like make a joke out of it. Yeah, yeah, at his expense. And in um, Murray Franklin's eyes, like obviously he's he invited him on the show to make fun of him, True. but he's portraying it as oh, like uh, it's such an honor to have you on, stuff like right. that. But even even um, Arthur knows like he's here to make fun of me. It, it's time to f shit up at this point. Right. So he, he's sitting in the chair and he's basically. Saying, he's like, yeah, I mean, I've had a rough week. I mean, after all, I uh, did kill those three people on the train a few weeks ago. And everybody was just like, that's not funny. And he, yeah. even even um, Murray's like, that's not a funny joke at all. He's like, it's, he, it's not a joke. Yeah. And and right and before he does that joke, too, he makes, a, out of his joke book, he makes a joke about a, a drunk driver accident. And I remember uh, Murray, and they try to correct him. And to me, that was an allegory just against all the censorship in Hollywood about yeah. you know, what's what's okay to make fun of, what's not okay to make fun of. Because, you know, that's the writer's internal struggle. Like, either everything's okay to make fun of or nothing's okay to make fun of. That's honestly the most true thing you we've said this entire show. <laughs> like, it's either, like, you're the, um, like, literally, like, the goody two-shoes, like, say everything right, kiss everybody's right. ass, or you're like yeah. the Bill Burr of movies. You literally yeah. just go off and say whatever the hell you want. You're like, you can't say that on TV. Like, exactly. yeah, I just did. Yeah. And, that, that and it's truthful. Good. And yeah. it's truthful. No, it's good. And that was just, that was a great moment in that scene because I feel that's what Todd Phillips was trying to discuss. And it's interesting to me that uh, after he said that and after everybody realized, oh, crap, this guy's actually the murderer. This is how the, all the protests started. I'm shocked like they didn't like have police on the scene because it is like the number one late night show, I guess, in yeah. Gotham oh, City. Yeah. Like, why, were, why weren't people like ambushing him? Like, the cops trying to get him off the show. Like, cut, cut, the, cut the black on uh, all the networks. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Why'd, they, why'd they finish the interview? Yeah. That was like the biggest thing. That would not have happened. 
And, uh, no, not at all. And he's just like, so you realize you started all these protests and none of it's a good thing. He's like, yeah, well, uh, I'm an outcast and I've been treated like garbage. You've made me out to be like garbage. Everybody in Gotham is awful. He's like, yeah, why? Like, and he's like, you're, you're awful too. He's like, why am I awful? You don't even know the first thing about me. He's like, you invited me on your show to make fun of me. Like, you made fun of me. And given that he was his hero growing up, obviously couldn't have felt good. Um, and he goes on to basically say, I started this protest. I mean, I didn't intend to st start this protest, but now that it's out, like, I'm glad it happened because yep. now Gotham City is basically rebelling against everybody who's ever wronged him. And see, that's, that was such a great moment about that scene because I love, you know, what Murray was telling him was true, too. He's like, you know what, not people aren't bad. And he was telling him, you know, there, a, lot of, a lot of people have had it a lot worse than you, pal. You know, the way he's telling him, you know, this and that, like, stop falling into your own self-pity. You know, like, you need to, like, right. knock, you need to knock this off. And um, Arthur wasn't used to that. He wasn't used to somebody challenging him head to head saying, dude. Like, you need to stop moping or you need to stop doing this, man, and just get on. You need to take a bad situation and make the best out of it. He doesn't like when people start doing that. And you notice um, in that scene, he starts to slur his words together. He starts to try to shout over him because he doesn't like what he's hearing. So in, internally, that just must be ripping him apart 500 different ways. And remember, like we mentioned, like the Joker is not a good guy. Like no, this movie not. was not intended to be a good feel movie. The Joker is the antagonist in this movie. Yeah. I feel like some people are like, oh, Robert De Niro's not hearing him out here. Like, come on, yeah, no, listen Robert to him. Like, no, he's the he's the he's, he's the, the good guy. Yeah. Like Arthur is the psychopath. The Joker is yeah. the psychopath in this season. And you mentioned he's shouting over him. He's just like, no, no. And um He's like, you want to hear another joke? He's like, no, I think this interview's over. Just stop. And he's like, what happens to guys like you who treat people like me like absolute garbage? Or however he phrased it, like yeah. guys with mental illness and treat them like garbage. He's just like, all right, just get off the stage. He's like, you get what you fucking deserve, which was probably the greatest, oh, oh yeah. greatest oh, yeah. piece of dialogue in that entire movie. Yeah. Shoots him dead in the temple. Yeah. Murray Franklin's dead. Everybody in the studio is screaming in horror. And the other two co-hosts on the other couch are just, like, basically sheltering themselves. Like, what just happened? And then Joker, Arthur Fleck, is just dancing like he has in the entire movie, just in the yep. middle of the studio. And there's still no cops. No. Where are the cops? <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> they just wanted to, like, have an impactful, you know, scene, I guess. But, yeah, they should have they had some uh, Gotham PD. <laughs> and, 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 and this is when, well, obviously, there were probably, like, the entire Gotham City is underwater at this point with just yeah. people who rebelled like i mentioned cars on fire like buildings yeah. are on fire at this point the entire city's riding there's probably like you saw at the end there like three or four good cops out there still trying to save the day but they can't yeah. because everybody rebelled how do you how do you how do you go two against like seventy eight hundred people and in those final scenes like he's dancing in the studio murray franklin's dead just sitting there with his head cocked back in the chair and uh, you, you saw the giant splat of blood on the Murray Franklin right. show tonight sign. And then they cut the old school, uh, the test pattern, like two seconds after that, you know. With the yeah, I mean, I yeah. feel like obviously live TV, everybody's going to see that. But after that, like you're not showing that again, right? No, no. Like I remember way back in the day, I forget what who it was and what the situation was, but he was resigning from something and he shot himself in the head on live television. It was I. It was either a governor, something in politics. Yeah. Wow. I remember talking about that with my uncle over the summer. I, I totally forget who it was That's and what the situation was. Way back in the probably like the eighties, I think. Okay. But in this situation, he's just dancing in the middle of the studio, and then outside they show the entire place is rioting. He's so eventually the cops do get him. He's right. he's in there in the studio by himself dancing, looking over dead people. They, two cops get him, he's in the back of the car, and he's still just laughing his way to jail in the back seat. And they're like, dude, stop laughing, that's not funny. While he's in the back seat, he's like, this is all happening because of you. He's like, I know, isn't it beautiful? And that's when a giant like moving van, moving truck, collides with the cop car, smashes everything, glass shattered. Cops are dead, obviously, driving the car. It, it appeared to be that Joker was dead, too. But some of the um, rioters, with them, everybody had a clown mask on at this point, yeah. found him, picked him up, put him on top of the cop car, let him lay there to gather himself while they just showed the rest of the town 
just going ham on anybody good. Here's yeah. another big Batman scene is when uh, Thomas Wayne, Bruce Wayne and his uh, Thomas Wayne's wife, the family, is trying to get out of harm's way because this city's going under fast because he was supposed to run for mayor. Though the city's about to burn to the ground, it looked like that night. So he's running in a back alley, and one of the riders caught him, like gunned him down, found him, had a gun in his hand, and goes, hey, Thomas Wayne, you get what you fucking deserve. Shoots yeah. him right in the stomach, right in front of Bruce. Kills the mother, too. I think they slit her throat. Yeah. And they left the kid there. I'm shocked that at this point they're all wackos. They just didn't kill yeah, Bruce Wayne. Because you're going to regret it 30 years down the road when he oh, yeah. kicks Joker's ass. Yep. And at that point, Bruce Wayne, a young Bruce Wayne, is just looking on like, holy crap, this entire city, my parents, my family, they're all gone. And that, yeah. this is when they're all right, they're all gathering around the cop car, fire everywhere in the background. Joker, Arthur Fleck, comes to the re realization that everybody's cheering him on, gets to the top of the car, stands up. It was like a slow evolution standing up after he was basically in a giant car wreck that could have killed his life, gets up. Every, as soon as he comes to his feet and is up, everybody goes bananas. He starts dancing again like he had throughout the entire movie. And at that point in time, he's smiling because throughout the entire movie, all he wanted was the adulation and the attention of everybody as a stand-up comedian, which he didn't get during his first uh, sketch in that bar, which he thought he did, but he didn't. Nobody laughed. Now everybody is cheering for him. Everybody thinks you're the savior. You're God, basically, to us here in Gotham City. And now yeah. and that's I thought that would have been the perfect way to end that movie. I honest per, preferably did not like the ending of the movie. Yeah. Because he goes to a, a mental hospital. Right. I don't know who gunned him down. I mean, it was literally there's 8000 people out there who are for him. Like, I don't know who's who's going to get him at this point. Oh, yeah. It, it was it was like the U.S. trying to get Osama bin Laden for 10 years after 9-11. Yeah. Like, it, it was hard. Exactly. It probably was hard. Okay. But they track him down, and he, he ends as Arthur Fleck, not the Joker, just in a mental hospital with that same chick, his therapist, who's now working yeah. in the hospital. It's just like, nobody cares about you, dude. Yep. And I guess he killed her in the in the hospital, it looked I'm like. I'm assuming, because he had the bloody footprints. Yeah, he. I guess he stomped her to death because he was cuffed. Yeah. And again, what, kind of, what kind of security do they have in these places? Dude, I wouldn't want to live in Gotham City, dude. Yeah, Even in your own home, you're not safe. Yeah. Oh my god. Like that's the one place that has to be barred up more than anybody else, mental institutions, yeah. right? Because if they get out, like we've seen in many horror movies, it, it's not gonna go down well. Yeah. It, and you know, I, I agree with you too about ending the scene when he was on top of the the cop car, yeah, you know, right after he painted the smile, because that if they would have ended it on that, that would have been like just amazing. But I don't, it, it kind of felt cheap, the ending that they gave you. That felt more of, like, a traditional, like, a horror movie. Like, just kidding, he's still on the loose. I'm like, dude. Kind of. Know? I mean, he yeah. killed her in, in the cell, but he's still cuffed and he's still in the hospital. Yeah. So yeah, he's yeah. not out. No. But so. Like, I mean, just saying, like, you know, he's still murderous. Like, the Joker's at, at large, essentially. Yeah, well, that that's how the movie ended, the big D end, and then the credits rolled as he's yeah. in the mental hospital. Gotham's probably still burning to the ground. Probably. But that's how it ends, and obviously you mentioned it. You think there's going to be a, a Batman sequel here coming up in the next well, few years? Um, 2021, uh, actor Robert Pattinson is uh, scheduled to play the Dark Knight Batman himself. So I'm assuming what I like that they did in this one, because... My, I always joke with my friend. He's like, if I have to see the Wayans get shot one more time in a movie, I'm, my head's going to explode. And, like, I, I get it. You know, we want to see a movie where Batman's just Batman. We don't need an origin. We know who Batman is by now. So oh, yeah. I, li I like that in Joker, how they put the, the Wayans getting shot. But, I mean, they did it very subtly. So when we get the Batman movie, it's it, it should just be Batman, Batman. We don't need to see him become Batman again. We already get it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so, I know. Like, yeah. the series long overdrawn. Yeah, but you think like, like they promote it in a way where, like this is the Dark Knight, and then all of a sudden Joaquin Phoenix, bam, in the movie as the Joker. Ooh, I think he'd be a little old by then though, because this was in like you know I think late seventies. Well, that's that's the one thing I took away from this because Bruce Wayne again, seven, eight, nine year old kid, and yeah. uh, Joker is forty, like mid mid forties, yeah. Like what? Like that obviously was not the obviously they didn't show the origin of the Joker in past Batman series. Yeah, the only one they did was the uh, the 1989 one with 
that a Tim Burton did. Yeah, where, yeah, yeah. Which that's kind of more in line with the comics where he's doing a, a heist, like a failed heist, and he falls into this vat of chemicals. And he comes out like that with a big smile on his face. That's more of like how you know the the traditional like nineteen forties and fifties comics were. So, but with this one, you know, since they did it so differently, my theory is that you know, like all those protesters, people that were inspired by the acts of uh, Fleck, I think in the next Batman movie, that's probably more what we're gonna get is like some psychopath that like you know, worshipped this right, guy. Yeah, the, yeah. The, same, the same way that Kylo Ren in Star Wars worships Darth Vader, that kind of thing. So, you know, someone might take the mantle of the Joker since, you know, there really is no one Joker. There's a lot of different, you know, people that could go... They were all wearing masks, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I think, like, if they, if they do, or when they do the next Batman, if they do include a Joker, it's going to be somebody that's more of inspired by it. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, again, yeah. like, I feel like just putting in some random follower of his, I feel like he's going to have a little bit of a backstory at the yeah. beginning of that movie. Oh, yeah. Just to be like, oh, yeah, that guy should be the Joker. Yeah. Just, like, don't throw in, like, a random follower who's just like, yeah, I'm in control now, guys. Yeah, yeah, no, that would be that would be lame. But, I mean, if, if they could find a way, I definitely don't want to see another, like, as much as I love this movie, if they made a, a sequel to this, that would really cheapen it. And I think that would ruin a lot of the you know artistic genius that took place. So this this needs to just be a standalone movie. I'm fine with this just oh, yeah. existing on its own. Yeah, this doesn't need a sequel. It doesn't need it's it's great as it is. No, it, I mean honestly, for the whole Batman series, if you did go into a second and a third one as the series prolonged, maybe you can bring in those non DC fans who thought Joker was incredible mm-hmm. because they did leave a story there with Bruce Wayne yeah. as a little kid. Oh, yeah. So yeah, they did. So. No, this is this was just a, a slam dunk, and it's uh, I touched on my podcast. It, it's so refreshing now to finally see DC because I mean they, they were struggling a lot, you know, making movies for the longest time because they kept trying to copy what Disney and Marvel was doing. Oh, yeah, just yeah, and that, it, that just does not work. And their last two movies, uh, Shazam was pretty good. That was the one that came out in springtime. That was another standalone, completely different thing. Joker, standalone, completely different thing, and they're doing great. So I'm just saying that DC finally realized that, you know what? We don't have to be Disney and Marvel and make everything connect. We can actually, I'd rather have a bunch of quality standalone movies. That oh, yeah. Like, wow, this is actual, like, storytelling. And, you know, I'd rather have, like, two or three of those than the whole decade of Marvel and their cinematic universe of just putting the same thing over and over again. Oh, absolutely. How many, like, how many great movies have we seen get turmoiled because of a sequel or even a third one quite a few there's been quite a few movies that have been tarnished because of that like off the top of my head i don't think ghostbusters needed a sequel i thought ghostbusters absolutely 2 was, not it was it was really ghostbusters 2 was just a product placement very cheap it just it didn't feel it, it didn't need a sequel and they're coming out with another one I like know, 70 70 year old dan Aykroyd and bill murray coming back it's like, why, Come on. guys? Like, it was fine. I mean, if we really wanted a sequel, we got the 2009 video game with Harold Ramis and all the original voice actors. I'm fine with that. So, uh, that, yeah, we're gonna have to wait another year to see that that whole dumpster fire. But, jeez, oh, yeah, that's another time. Last yeah, thing, uh, time. last yeah. thing I wanted to touch up on you with that. Obviously, we talked about the different Batmans throughout. Mm-hmm. Joaquin Phoenix, Heath Ledger, Jack Nicholson. Who are you taking? Oh boy, I, I, me personally, I don't think anybody did it better than Ledger. I thought Joaquin Phoenix was a very close se- second. Like, he, like you said, he brought out the sadistic side in the Joker, where I think Heath Ledger just overall his performance in that movie made his career. Mm-hmm. Obviously, didn't end well months later, but yeah, no, that was I his totally, legacy. Yeah, no, it was it was amazing. Um, honestly, I probably am gonna have to go with Joaquin Phoenix. I, I love Heath Ledger's work. I love Joaquin Phoenix's work. They're, they're both actors that I greatly admire and respect, but the best, you know, interpretation of the character to me was the, uh, the Arthur Fleck, the Joaquin Phoenix version of that character. But I mean, is, if you want a true psychotic, intimidating Joker, Ledger hands down, nobody's ever going to be that intimidating as that character ever again. I mean, just with the makeup in general, I thought oh, yeah. it was just holy crap. This is a his, totally different. It's so good, and just just his whole stage presence. And I mean, that that could be a whole other podcast right there. But like, yeah, let it made Jack Nicholson's Joker look like a Disney character. 
That, that's Damn, how scary yeah. it was. Yeah, Jack Nicholson's character was awesome too. Like I, I like the way. I mean, you know, like he he played his like like a gangster. He wasn't like right. you know he, he he was the very cheesy like kill you with a joy buzzer you know on his hand and stuff like that. He kind of reminded me of the Caesar Romero Joker. From right, the, that was the first one. Right? Series. Yeah, he reminded me of him mixed in with a little bit of the you know the mafia type stuff. Yeah. Well, so yeah, you're you're taking you're taking Phoenix. I'm taking Ledger. I am gonna have to go with Phoenix on that one. I I, I love Ledger though, but <laughs> you do a great uh, Heath Ledger impersonation. I saw it on oh uh, your Instagram God. page. <laughs> Here, give, give me a little sneak peek of that, because I was watching. I'm like, that actually sounds awesome. <laughs> he he does all those uh, impressions. I saw oh. the Jaws one. The Jaws one was great. Oh, Quint, yeah. Yeah. Let's see here. Okay. Let's... You want to know how I got these scars? My And a fiend. And one night he goes off crazier than usual. He, he shoots my mother and he sees me kind of sitting there in the kitchen. He puts a knife in my mouth and says, Why so serious? <laughs> <laughs> off the top of my head. Oh, that's incredible. Honestly, if they ever did a TV animated series, you gotta you gotta audition for that. <laughs> Those are incredible. I'll go in there as Hank too. Well, I'll tell you what, you gotta have a good uh, jar of protein. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the Jaws one was spot on. Oh man, dude, I, I'm glad that somebody actually watched these. <laughs> yeah, I just like I just yeah, I'm someone's appreciating your work. Thank you. You know, yeah. I, was, I always thought I was somebody that watched way too much movies growing up as a kid. So. No. <laughs> Dude, dude, Quentin Tarantino probably watched way too much movies growing up as a kid. Martin Scorsese, like those, they're, they're why they're where they're at now because of that. So, that's very true, my friend. All right, well, I really am happy that you came on with me. We're about a, an hour and five minutes in. We really touched up on the entire movie. That we did. Thank you very much. It was an honor to be on your show, and I really appreciate it. Al Valdez, host of the Cinema Palooza podcast. Check it out on Believe.com, part of the Believe Podcast Network, the number one sports podcast network in Los Angeles or in whatever city you're in, basically. That's what they're promoting. Yep. Uh, this is The O Show, presented by Belly Up Sports, Be Bold, Stand Out, and sponsored by Tick Pick. Hit it, Hootie. <laughs> listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube